in the year 2018 is gonna be the year of hope. And we're gonna take a look at hope in three big categories. Personal renewal, relational renewal, and then missional renewal. This past year in 2017, it has been the year of love. And we have taken a look at loving God, loving others, and then loving um, uh, our community. But today I am going to be kicking off, okay, kind of priming the pump for the year of hope. I don't know about you, Maybe you grew up in a family that prayed this prayer around the dinner table. God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. I don't know if you realize that, but if you prayed that prayer around your table in the evening with your parents, you were learning that God is great and you were learning that God is good. A number of years ago, I went up to Life Church in Edmond, Oklahoma, Craig Groeschel, he's pretty big guy, national uh, type pastor up there. And I spent a half a day with him just talking about leadership. And as I went to his church, his church had a saying, and I think they still do this at, at every service. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Today, we're gonna start our journey to hope by taking a look at one of the building blocks, which is God's goodness. You see, in order for you and I to start this journey of hope that we are going to be on the rest of this year, as well as into 2018, you have to answer the question, is God good all the time? Is God good in your pain? Is he good in your conflict? Is he good when you are discouraged and depressed? Is he good when you are being under attack? Is he good when you are stressed out? I want us to read this verse out of Psalms 100, verse five, and I want, to, want us to read it all together and read it out loud with enthusiasm. The Lord is always good. He's always loving and kind, and his faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. The Bible says that God is good all the time. How is that true in your life? In the year 2018, the year of hope, what I want us to do today in starting this, I want us to take a look at two things. I want to show you and I why focusing on God's goodness is so important by understanding and looking at the consequences when we don't how it leads to hopelessness. And then the second thing I wanna do is I just wanna give you a brief overview of what these next few weeks are going to look like for us. The title of this series is Home with Hope, and I would have you know that come the end of November, we're getting into the holidays, it's gonna switch from Home with Hope to the Holidays with Hope. And here's my challenge to you right up front. I think we all know people, do we not? that are hopeless, they're discouraged, they're depressed, they're just ready to hang it up, maybe culturally, maybe in their relationships, maybe uh, vocationally or mentally, whatever. Can I encourage you to invite them over these next nine weeks? Because it's gonna fit. If there was ever a time in the history of our nation, I believe it needs to hear this message on hope.
And so, one of the ways that you and I begin to understand God's goodness and see it restored in our own life is through worship. Psalms 34 verse nine says, worship God if you want the best because worship opens the door to all God's goodness. The way you and I begin to revisit, the way you and I begin to renew hope in our life is by understanding God's goodness through worship. Worship opens the door to God's goodness for our lives. But the question is this, what happens if we choose not to do that? Well, there are four negative consequences. You need, I want you and I to understand these so that we can avoid them. The first negative consequence is this. I start claiming credit for the things God did for me. I start claiming credit for the things that God did for me and through me and to me and by me and with me. Folks, when you and I do that, we are heading down a path to trouble. And to be honest with you, it can be a quick path to God's judgment. There is a story in Luke chapter 12 of a guy who thought all that he had accomplished in his life was all about him, that he did it all. He was a very egocentric guy. Jesus shares this story. In six verses, this guy uses the word I. I did this, I did that, I did this over here. I'm gonna build more barns because I am such a big thing. And God comes along and tells him, guess what, you're a fool. Tonight your life is gonna be taken from you. And what you have earned and accumulated, I'm gonna give it to someone else who is more grateful than you are. It is a sobering story. You see, if I were to ask people on the street, hey, what is the worst sin out there? Most people say, well, it's murder or adultery or, or uh, lying or stealing, and they would be wrong. The, most, the, the worst sin in the world is prideful ingratitude. It is what got Satan kicked out of heaven. Folks, when you and I stop being grateful, it leads to all kinds of trouble. Emotionally, mentally, vocationally, spiritually, across the board. In Acts 12, there's a story about, we, we're gonna hear this guy in, in, uh, in the Christmas story, King Herod. He, he uh, obviously had a gift to, to communicate, and he gave this speech. It must have been a great speech, and the people responded, the voice of a God and not a man. He just took it all in. Yeah, it's all about me. I did this. The Bible says that God sent an angel and struck him down. And he wasn't struck down because he was immoral. He wasn't struck down because he was greedy. No, he was struck down because he had prideful, he was pridefully, or pridefully ungrateful. You see, everything that you and I have comes from God. The ability to see, to hear, to eat, to think. The ability to, to work with our hands and to produce wealth. But Pastor George, I, I'm the one that built this business with my own hands. Sure you did, no doubt about it, but who gave you those hands? Who gave you the opportunities to, to, so that you could grow your business? Who, who gave you the mind, the intellect? God did, and yeah, he gave it to you in seed form, which means he wants you to develop it, but it was God who gave it to you. You and I realize that ingratitude is actually one of the roots of atheism. 
When I am ungrateful, I start excusing myself, dismissing God, and eventually it leads to denial of God. This is what Paul talks about in Romans 1, 19 through 20. Let me read this to you. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Though everything God made, they through, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. Folks, I have to live in denial to deny God because the design of the world is evident. Where there is a design, there must be a designer. And so the slide to atheism, the slide to unbelief in God does not begin with unbelief, but rather it begins with ungratefulness. We may not realize this, but ungratefulness is one of the signs of moral decay. It is one of the signs of a, of a culture that is in decline. Paul spoke of this to Timothy. He said in Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 3.2, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, and arrogant, profane, rebellious, ungrateful. Do any of those sound familiar to you? I mean, I can check off every one of those. But Pastor George, that's been, that's been going on for eons of time. You're right, but there's just more of it today. Lot more. So what has God called us to do? This is gonna be the theme for the next, I don't know, nine weeks. We're gonna work our way up because there's some fundamental building blocks for hope. And this is the first word, remember. We must remember the source of our success. That's one of the building blocks. One of the things I'm gonna encourage you to do is just to remember the things every day, five things, and post it on Facebook that I am grateful for because this is the first building block of renewing hope in our life. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 4, verse seven. What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why act as though you are so, so great? And at and as though you accomplished it all on your own. Folks, what do you and I have in Collin County that God hasn't given us? We are the most affluent county, um, one of the most affluent counties in the nation, okay? What do we have that God hasn't given? Not a thing. It's all been given to us by God. James says, every good and perfect gift comes from your Father above. God is a good God. The second negative consequence when I forget the goodness of God is that I stop asking God for help. Now, folks, this is a huge issue, and this we're going to talk about in the first part of January because truly our prayer life is linked to our hope factor within us. So a negative consequence is that when we forget God's goodness, we start depending on ourselves, and we stop asking God for things. You see, 20 times in the New Testament, it says, ask, seek, knock. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. The Bible says, you have not because you ask not. But Pastor George, I, I just wanna talk to God about the big things. I just don't wanna bother him about the, the little stuff. You know what I'm talking about, Pastor George? No, not really. 
Let me switch that paradigm for you. All stuff is little to God. God wants you and I to talk with him about everything, the big stuff and the little stuff. God says, I want you to ask. Now let me tell you what happens when you and I forget the goodness of God in regards to our prayer lives. Let me tell you what's gonna happen in your prayer life. Your prayers will get wimpy and weak. They will become routine and and rote. They will become general and not specific. That is what happens when you and I forget the goodness of God. I wanna ask you this question. It's a question I pondered as I was writing this message. Do you trust God more today than you did six months ago? Honestly. Do you trust God today more than you did six months ago? I think most of us would say, Pastor George, to be honest with you, I don't think so. You see, how do you build trust? How do you build faith in your life? I'll tell you how. The exact same way a child learns to trust in their parent. You see, for a child to learn to trust in their parent, they have to go through kind of four steps to get there. First of all, they have to recognize that they have a need, that there's something unmet going on in their life. Let's just say they're at the bottom of the stairs and they wanna get to the top of the stairs, right? The second thing that that child will do is that they will express that unmet need. They will cry because they they don't have the ability to communicate clearly what they are wanting. Because that child is crying, what happens? The third thing is that the parent comes, picks up the child, takes them up to the top of the floor. Now, as a result of that parent meeting that need, the fourth thing that happens is that child learns to trust their parents. And you want to know something? You went through that process a billion times with your parents. Unmet need or need seen Need expressed, need met equals trust. That cycle is the same cycle that you have gone through, that you need to go through in order to build your faith, in order to build your trust. You have an unmet need, you express it, God meets it, and your trust factor starts growing, and it starts growing, and it starts growing. Now, as I've thought about this, really dwelling on love this past year. I've noticed at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, he talks about, hey, these three things that are lasting, faith, hope, and love. And there's a reason why they're sequential. Faith occurs first, and then hope. As our trust grows, we become more hopeful. And that leads to love, where we express our love to God, because he is a good God. But if you're not expressing your needs, you're not gonna be growing in your faith. Personally, the reason why I trust God the way I do today is because he has met billions of needs in my life. Today, I am trusting God. Our worship, hey, it rocked, right? But I'm trusting God for a new worship leader. I'm trusting God for a new women's ministry to be launched this spring. I am trusting God for a new men's ministry that will be launched this spring. I am trusting God as we work, and there's about 40 some of us working together to understand 
the Indian culture, Hindus, so that we can build a relational bridge. We can see people come to know Jesus this way. I'm trusting God for all kinds of things, and I've trusted God for so many things where he has been faithful and reliable that my faith quotient is growing. And so God says, I want you to ask. I want you to ask for the big things and I want you to ask for the little things because that's how you and I grow in our trust. So let me ask you this question. When was the last time you heard from your mouth, your very own words, this prayer, God, you are a good God. And I know you want to meet my needs and I know you will meet my needs. And then you just share a little need. My nose is runny, God. I think I might have a cold. Help me. So you ask. And after you ask, what you do is you wait. You wait patiently. And you can know whether you're growing in your faith as you wait and and you hear God say, not yet, when you don't throw a tissy fit. Because you've come to the understanding that there is a difference between not yet and no. To delay and denial. And so you ask and you wait. And you wait patiently because you know that God is a good God. This is what Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount in Luke 11. If you as Imperfect parents know how to give good gifts to your own children. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Our God's a good God. He wants to give. Just like you and I as parents who have kids want to give. But we don't get because we don't ask. And the reason we don't ask is because we really don't believe that God is that interested in the little things of our life. We, we don't think he's interested in, in these small little things, maybe the big ones, and maybe that's just even a, a, you know, a, a guess at that one. But over and over and over in the Bible, God says, I am interested in the little details of your life. I have the number of hairs numbered on your head, and I know which numbered hair is in the sink as a result of you combing your hair this morning, okay? And so God says, ask. Ask him for the big things, ask him for the little things. But Pastor George, I, I, I'm just afraid I'll bother him. No, God says, I want you to come boldly into my presence. We're gonna learn this in the first part of your code. It is foundational for hope to occur. Take a look at this verse, Hebrews 4, 16. Let us come boldly to the throne of our good and gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it. Will you circle the word boldly? You see, what is God's motivation for answering our prayers? Well, David gives us a clue in Psalm 69. He says, answer me, O Lord, out of the goodness of your love. It's because he loves you. And God answers your prayers not because you're good or I'm good. It's because he's good. The third negative consequence for not focusing in on God's goodness is this. I stop trusting God in difficult times. 
Truly, if we were more aware of how good God really is every time we had a need. God, I need a job. God, I need help with my finances. God, I need help with with one of my kids that's living in my household. God, I need help in my marriage. If we were truly more aware of how God really wanted to meet that need, instead of you and I trusting in ourselves, we would trust in God and we would make him our first choice and not our last resort. Take a look at what David said here. Psalm 16, protect me, God, because I trust in you. You are my Lord, and every good thing I have comes from you. Every good thing I have comes from you. You and I should never forget this. But what about when troubles do come? Take a look at what Paul says in Romans 5.3. We can have joy even in our trouble. Stop there. Even when life sucks, Even when life is hard and we're going through trials and troubles and tribulations, we're experiencing delay, nothing seems to be going our way, guess what? We can have joy. Why? Because we know. Circle that word. We don't wish, we don't think, we don't feel. Hope is not a feeling. We know that these troubles are good for us, producing patience and character and hope. Folks, even in the bad times, God is good. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a reason behind it. And so even in those bad times, I come to God and I say, God, you are a good God. And I know you're going to do some good things. That you are going to build my character. That you're going to help me to have patience. And you're going to give me hope. One of my favorite promises is Romans 8, 28. And we know, I don't wish, I don't feel my way into hope. I know that in everything, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Will you circle the phrase, for the good? Not for the bad, for the good. Even when things are tough, I know God is good. He has a good plan and he has a good purpose and he will work it all out for good. Not everything is good, but he will work it all out for good. And what that does is that builds trust in my life and that raises my hope quotient. Now there is one other negative consequence when you and I forget the goodness of God. First, we claim credit for all the things that God has done. Secondly, we stop asking God for things. Third, we stop trusting in difficult times. But the ultimate one is this, I become pessimistic about the future. In other words, you lose hope. Because hope is built on the goodness of God. If God isn't good, then guess what? (laughs) There's no hope. This is what David said. In Psalms 37, and Psalms 27, it says, I would have despaired. I would have despaired unless I believed in the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David is saying, I would have had no hope. I would have been discouraged. I would have had doubts. I would have been in despair. I would have been depressed. But he goes on. And he says, instead I thought, wait 
for the Lord. Will you circle that phrase? He says it twice. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. He says, wait. You may not, you may not see it now, but wait. Don't be in a hurry. Wait on the Lord. You've given God your request. Now wait on him because you know the difference between delay and denial, between no and not yet. Do you ever get in a hurry where you don't give God time enough to answer your prayers? I know I do. I mean, I'm AAA. I want it all. God, it should have all been done yesterday, okay? That water feature out in front of our, it's not done yet. It should have been done yesterday, Right? Truly, our inability to delay gratitude is one of our biggest problems. Let me put it like this. Have you ever gone out and bought something without the money being there and you put it on a credit card? Buying things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Delay. God says, wait. Have you ever thought that maybe... If you waited, God would give it to you. Or maybe even change your heart, because a lot of times you buy it, I don't know, a few months later, I don't need that anymore, I don't even know why I bought it, but yeah, you're you know, $500 in debt or whatever. You see, not being able to wait on the Lord is a sign of immaturity. It's what babies do. So I want you to listen because we're queuing this thing up for the next nine weeks into 2018. If you are fighting discouragement, despair, doubt, depression, in other words, if you're feeling hopeless, let me ask you to do two things. First of all, start focusing on all the ways that God has been good to you. In other words, get your minds off the problems. And I would encourage you to, to uh, limit your media intake. Get your minds off your problems and get them focused on all the good things God is doing. Write them down. There's that sound. And notice that it's up here. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. I'm just getting ready for our Christmas program. Don't miss it. <laughs> Count your blessings every day in these next nine weeks. Post it on Facebook. God is a good God. And put down five. And then the next day, put down five new ones because there's a lot Focus on the good things that God is doing. Number two, don't miss. Don't miss the next nine weeks as we build this thing up towards the first of the year. Like I said, we're gonna switch it from home, home with hope to holidays with hope. I, I, I've been doing Christmas messages for 40 years. This year I thought, God, I don't know what to do. I've, I've done everything I could. I just can't think of anything new. I was over at the Scanlons. You may know Kay Scanlon, okay? Kay and Jim. And I was, I was just talking with Kay. I just don't know. I don't know what to do. And God gave me this thought. 
George, use Psalms 23 as a basis for the Christmas story. And I, I did. I, Kay was right there. I didn't have my Bible, and I, I was going to a place that didn't have Wi-Fi, so I couldn't look it up. I said, Kay, can you rip off the Christmas story and Psalms 23 for me? And I started comparing those. You see, the reason that Mary was able to do what Mary did was because she had hope. The reason that Joseph was able to do what Joseph did was because he had hope. The reason that Anna and Simeon were able to do what they did in the temple when Jesus was being dedicated was because they had hope. The reason that Herod did what he did was because he didn't want hope. Which raises this question, what is hope? Will you write this down? Hope is anticipating God's goodness. The reason that Mary could do what she did because she was anticipating God's goodness. The reason that, that, that Joseph did what he did is because he was anticipating God's goodness. The reason that Anna and, and Simeon were anticipating God's, or anticipate, were able to do what they, they did was because they were anticipating God's goodness. The reason that Herod did what he did is because he didn't want God's goodness. He wanted everything to be status quo. Folks, the reason that we can have hope is because God is a good God. If God wasn't a good God, there would be no logical or reasonable reason to, to have hope because it would all be on us. But because there's hope, we have a future. Jeremiah, as I've studied his life, the world was caving in. The enemy was coming in. People were against him. And God came to him, and Jeremiah 29 says, Jeremiah, I'm not, I want you to know something. I know the plans. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Hope is tied to the goodness of God, that he has plans. And the more you and I understand the goodness of God, this is what we're gonna look at the more hopeful we will be because David said, I would have despaired. I would have despaired if I, had, if I had not believed in the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now I know right now, you're looking at your outlines and you are freaking out because he's got nine more points and he's already taken a half hour, okay? Notice that they're all filled in for you. I don't like doing that, but they're there because I want us to go out and celebrate God's goodness towards our life. So let me give you an overview of what we're gonna be covering in the next eight, nine weeks, right? And it's this, because of God's goodness, he will sustain me by meeting my needs. That he will bring balance into my life to give me rest. To be honest with you, a lot of the hopelessness that we have comes from just physical exhaustion. We're running on fumes. He'll give, uh, because of God's goodness, he'll give us resilience to be strong. He will give us guidance. One of the things that brings hopelessness is we live in a multiple, multiple choice world and we don't know which one and it stymies us, we freeze. He'll give me confidence when the trials come. He, he's gonna, we're gonna talk about assurance and, and when we are feeling insecure. We're gonna be talking about influence and how we can be anointed by God while we're being uh, under attack by someone. We're gonna talk about God's abundance that we don't have to fear the future. And then the last one, we're gonna talk about our inheritance because David ends this psalm in Psalms 23, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
As I was thinking about that, just meditating on that, I said, you know, I got a lot of houses. I got my, I got my home in heaven. And guess what? It's gonna be filled with hope. Every day is gonna be a new day, though there won't be time. I don't know how that works, but anyway, it's like, what's next, God? What's next? And then I got a home that I wake up in with my lovely wife and that I get to come back to. And God says, I want that home to be filled with hope as well. And we're gonna talk about that in the second quarter or the second third of the year. And then we've got our house. This is God's home for us. And in this nine weeks, in one year, I'm asking God to fill it with hope that we might be the most hopeful people in a culture that is going to hell in a handbasket. So, let's pray. And let's go out and celebrate. Lord, you are a good God. You are a great God and a good God, and I am so thankful for all that I have. Truly, my boundaries have fallen in pleasant places. God, we live in one of the most affluent counties in the nation, in the world. God, it comes from you. You are good, God, all the time, and all the time you are good. And even when there is delay, even when there is trouble, God, you got a good plan. And you got good purposes. And I want to ask you, God, that you would fill our life up with hope. And that we would be a reservoir, God, of hope for the hopeless and the hurting and the helpless that are all around us at the workplace, on the soccer fields, at the schools that we go to. God, that we would be a reservoir of hope. That we would be those who would invite. God, our world needs this. And so we ask you to work. God, take what we're about ready to offer to you in the way of our offerings. And would you multiply them for your glory and for the good of this community and our larger community as well. So we give you this. In your son's precious name we pray, amen.